So this morning, we're in our third message entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? Um, Tina Turner said nothing. In other words, in her song, she didn't say nothing, but in her song, she was saying love has nothing to do with a real relationship because of abuse and things we talked about last week. If you weren't here last week, it'd be good to go back and listen to the message. Um, but <clears throat> what we've been teaching on, the answer to this question is that love has everything to do with it. And uh, what does love have to do with life? It has everything to do with it. Without love, you won't know anything else in life. Now, as I'm beginning to share today, um, the title of, the subtitle of my message today is, Love Loves Me. Subtitle of my message today is, Love Loves Me. Um, one of the things that's difficult for people, everybody, myself included, it's, it's, it's difficult for everybody. You have to constantly renew your mind and remind yourself of what God says in his word about how God views us individually. But what's, what's very difficult for people, everybody, is to put yourself in the God class. To put yourself in the family of God as a child of God, as a son or daughter of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And what's so difficult about that is, he never missed anything, he never made a mistake, he never did anything that was shameful, he never did anything wrong ever. And yet, in a verse of scripture we'll read in just a moment, yet the Bible says, because he loved us so much, he endured the cross and all the shame and everything that went with it. And he didn't die to hurt us, but he loved us so much he was willing to be hurt for us. And it's hard to see yourself, it's hard as an individual to see yourself in the company of perfection. But God said it. So remember that today as we go through a few verses of Scripture. We're going to read our foundational Scripture, 1 John 4 and verse 7. <clears throat> 1 John 4 and 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Today, we're going to take these two verses of Scripture and kind of give some light and shed some light on what it means to love um, and, and how we love. And what, what I, 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 want, I want the power to love. I, I want to be empowered 
to do what's right. What Jesus did every single time, what he did every time, is he always responded in every situation in love. Always. He never missed it. I I want to have the power every day to follow through with what is right in the eyes of God. How about you? I want want to be empowered. When, When I know what's right, to do it. People say sometimes, you know, I just, I just, I can't do that. I, I can't love that person because of what they did. And the truth is, that's not true. The truth is, you choose whether you love someone or operate in love or not. It's our choice. God gave us choice and the ability to choose. We choose to do what's right or not. But how can you do what is right in a situation if you don't know what that is? You've got to know what it looks like. You've got to understand the importance of walking in love, but demonstrating the characteristics of love in unlovely situations. You know, the Bible's clear. The Bible has an answer for everything. You will never not find an answer for something if you allow the Holy Spirit to show you what verses of Scripture are actually saying right? But, but the Bible's very clear regarding the love of God that we have the ability to do what's right. In other words, I don't have to miss it ever, but I will, but I don't have to, 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 but I will. But I don't have to. But I will. But I don't have to. Right? And I'm saying that for me and for you and for everybody. But we don't have to. And I'm into the I don't have to world today where I I don't want to clean up messes in my life. I, I hate cleaning up messes. I hate having to go back and correct what I didn't do because I was too prideful to admit that I needed to do this and I chose to do the other. So I, I don't like that. And you know, you can talk about that all day long. Well, okay, I did wrong, okay. And then we walk around that we're no good and we, we haven't done what was right. But God, didn't, God has not empowered us that way. He didn't empower you to make a mistake and empower you to stay under He empowered you to get on top of the thing and learn how to do right first. That's what he's empowered us to do. But we've got to let the scripture speak to us. We've got to allow the word of God to enlighten us about something. Has anybody ever turned on darkness? Have you ever turned on a switch and it became dark? Turned it on? No? The only way that darkness has a place to remain is if the light is turned off, right? Where there is no light of God's Word, there's no illumination, then darkness sets in. And, and I mean, you can have truckloads and boatloads and everything else loads of darkness, and, and you can throw it into light, and, and if light is, 
Darkness, it doesn't do anything. But in here, you turn all the switches off, there's no windows in here, and I'm telling you, it is dark. But one switch, one word from God, one word in a situation, bam, and the darkness flees. What it does is it gives me the opportunity to see clearly to make the choice, but I still have to make the choice. So what is the power, what is the key to the power to make the choice? That's what we're talking about today. Amen? Everybody say, God is love. Acts 10.38. We read this last week. And then I want to look at a few verses for this week. Acts 10 and 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because he was the Son of God? No, because love was with him. Remember, God is love, and we've, we've been talking about that in the last three weeks. God is love, and so we... We're in a change in God and love. You can't separate God and love because God is love. So he went, around, he went about doing good, and that, that word good is right. He went, around, he went about doing the right thing. Why? Because love was with him. Love was with him. Love empowered him. Love consumed him. That He saw through the eyes of love, and because of that, he went about doing good everywhere he went. Amen? How many, how many have ever heard of John 3.16? Anybody know what it says? God so what? Loved. He so hated? No. He so loved. There is no hate in God. He doesn't hate. God so loved the world, John 3.16, that He gave His only begotten Son that Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't, he didn't send his son, the father didn't send Jesus to condemn or to shame or put anything on the world, but that through him every one of us might be born again, that the light of the living Word of God, Jesus Himself, would shine and illuminate our spirit, man, and we would be born a second time. So now, in this life, we don't have to view everything through our first birth. Well, I'm that way because my dad was that way, and my grandfather, and this one, and yeah, but now now my lineage is through Jesus. See, now I can be liberated from all that stuff. All of us have past and people and stuff. And, you know, the, the, the light or the lack of light that our past relatives have had hindered us from being able to know certain things, but we don't have to stay that way, right? We can allow the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to illuminate us and shine on the inside of us and begin to create in us this new vision and this new way of thinking. And that's what God has established already on the inside of us. It just has to break loose. If you're born again, it's already there. 
Actually, the potential of it's already there whether you're born again or not because he settled everything before the foundation of the world. He already had your plan and the purpose for your life before the foundation of the world. And he already had it set up for how you and I would walk and live and operate in the earth. And if we don't walk and live and operate in love, we'll never see the results of sowing love in unlovely situations. So, does it all boil down to you and I trying to be good enough to love somebody that's not lovely? Does it all boil down to that? Are we all in a race? Well, let's see, you can do it. At least I didn't do what Fabian did the other day. At least, you know, I saw Dale the other day and he was mad. At least I didn't act mad. See, at least I didn't shoot somebody. You know, at least I'm not like the guy in jail, you know, that, uh, I mean, that, that, that killed 900 people and did all these other things. At least, you know, and so, so we live our life trying to feel better for the things because we're, we're competing with each other about stuff like that. That's the way it is. I don't know about you, but I don't want to play that game. I played that game for years. I don't want to play that silly game. That's a game. God has empowered you and I to be leaders of love. Everybody say, God is love. (coughs) Excuse me. So he didn't come to condemn or shame us. He came that we might be saved. So our salvation is for a purpose. I I quoted this verse a minute ago, but I I love this verse. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 and 2. This is who he is and what he did. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, that sin there is the sin of disobedience, not obeying God, which so easily ensnares or entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him... He endured the cross, watch this, he despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now he's representing you and I and he's empowered us, not in condemnation and shame, but the fact that the Father so loved that he gave. But think about that. Because what we're talking about today is how do we attain the power to do the love? To demonstrate the love. Where, okay, the, the power comes from God, but how do we acquire it on a day-to-day basis? Okay. Look at John 16. I want, I want to look at these two verses, and these two verses are key. John 16, 27, and John 17, 23. These are, these are key verses for what we're talking about today. John 16, And 27, for the Father himself, this is Jesus saying this to his disciples, so he's saying it to us. For the Father himself loves me. Everybody say me. The Father Himself loves me because you have loved me 
and have believed that I came forth from God. How many believe that Jesus came from God? Lift your hand up right now, okay? How many are thankful and grateful that the Father sent Jesus for you? How many are thankful and you really believe that? Then, then the Father loves you. <laughs> Everybody say this, God loves me. Say it three times. God loves me. 17 and 23. <clears throat> I in them. This is this this if you've never read John 17 or if you have and you need to go back and read it again. It's the prayer that Jesus prayed the, the prayer between Jesus and the Father. And Jesus is saying this. He said, I in them, Father, Jesus saying this to the Father, and you in me, I in them, Jesus in us, and the Father in him, that they may be made perfect in one. That word perfect there is mature or developed. And that the world may know that you have sent me Father, and have loved us as you have loved me. Everybody say, God loves me. God loves me the way that he loves Jesus, who never made a mistake, who always followed through, who always obeyed everything. He never did anything that he wanted to do. He always did what Father said was best because he knew Father knows best. He never did anything, not one time, and yet, and yet, how could Father love me like he does Jesus in his perfection? And I'm telling you today, what empowers me to love you is when I'm empowered and I have a real relationship with God and I know my, how much God loves me. See, for me to do something and react to someone else because of what they've done to me, for me to react back in ungodliness, is the result of me not having a real relationship with God in knowing how much He loves me. Because when I know how much God loves me, then He's got my front, He's got my back, He's got both sides. And the more I get to know Him, and the more the light of that shines on the inside of me, I realize He's already taken care of everything I'll ever need, ever, and it empowers me to have faith in the fact that that's really true. Everybody knows the story of Job, right? There's a lot of interpretations of Job, but I'm just going to say this about the story of Job. Job had it all. It was operating on all cylinders, man. The machine was moving and operating. He was blessed, the most blessed man on the earth. 
book of Job is the oldest book of the Bible. So it was a long time ago. And Job had it all going. And the accuser of the brethren, the devil, came before God and he said, Yeah, Job, you know, everything's good for Job and that's why he serves you. But if bad things happen to Job, if you remove that little protection thing, see, Job would curse you to mankind and he'd go to the grave. And God removed that protection and he said, no, Job never will. How did God know that about Job? God knew that about Job because Job had a relationship with God. Job made some mistakes. I mean, you know, like we haven't. Job made some mistakes, but his wife tried to convince him to curse God and die. His friends did the same thing. No, he had a real relationship. And when you have a real relationship of knowing how much that God loves you, the result of that is that Job doubled in everything that he had. But listen to me, Job wasn't looking for the double. And what Job went through was about nine months. Some people think it was 15 years. Uh -uh. It was a nine-month experience where some really horrible things happened in his life. But he never cursed God because he had a real relationship with God. And that, that's what matters, is that I have a relationship with God in that I know that He loves me. And when you know somebody loves you, you're not afraid that they're going to leave you. There are a lot of married couples that are not sure that the other one really loves them, and so there's always in the back of their mind the thought of, well, maybe they'll leave me. Why? Because the love hasn't been developed. It ha the, the, the word perfection or perfect in the scripture means developed or matured. Because the love and the connection with each other has not been developed. And the more that that relationship is developed and the more security you have in the love they have for you, then there's no fear of them leaving you or not doing what they say they'll do. Now our relationship's one thing, but our relationship with the Father is something totally different different totally different so I'm telling you today you need to remind yourself for the rest of the day about between 20 and a thousand times by saying God loves me wow God loves me God loves me. God loves me. Wow. God didn't come to condemn me and shame me because of my mistakes. God loves me. God loves me. He loves me. Say it. God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. Say it like you mean it. God loves me. My goodness. God loves me. God loves me. When, when, when people sometimes, I've had people say this to me before, well, you know, you, 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 know, you, you, you act like all this is, that, that what God has done for you is, is something or whatever, you, 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 but none of us deserve it. No, I don't. I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve a thing. And neither do you. But by the grace of God, 
And because of what the Son accomplished for us and what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit set up in the meeting before the foundation of the world, they already had it, it's already been a done deal. And it's the accuser of the brethren that comes along trying to convince you you need to be afraid of God. See, because the devil is afraid of God. He's a liar, and he tells lies, and he accuses the brethren, but he's afraid of God. So he wants you to be afraid of God so that you don't really believe that God loves you. And if you don't believe God loves you, then you won't love other people. And what will happen as a result, you'll be constantly sowing ugly seeds to other people. And what does a good farmer do? He sows an ugly seed and he reaps an ugly harvest. See, because before, in the Bible, before there's anything that has to do with seed time and harvest in a monetary way, the sower first sows the word. And if you're not sowing the word in your life and allowing yourself to begin to understand what love really is and what it looks like, like we talked about last week in in 1 Corinthians 13, those characteristics of love, none of those are, are conditional. See, that's all Jesus. Nothing is conditional. On the cross, after everything that he went through, he endured the cross, despising the shame, the humiliation, and everything else. He he went past all of that. Why? Because he kept seeing you and I. He kept remembering that meeting before the foundation of the world where Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they're the only three present. And they made the plan for planet Earth and every human being that would ever live. The plan was created then. And it started with Adam. And it hasn't ended yet because you and I are still here and we're still having babies. Man, this place is having a lot of babies, huh? Wow, babies everywhere. Everybody say, I love babies. Glory to Jesus, babies everywhere, huh? See, it's still going, it's still going. Every baby that's born, they already have a plan set up before the foundation of the world. So you don't have to try to find that. You have to know God yourself. You raise them until they become to an age of accountability and then you teach them about the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will reveal to them what they're here for. Worst thing you and I can ever do is have it all set up for our kids in what they're called to do. They gotta find it from God. He had the plan before they were. We can help them, we can encourage them. But the one thing that colleges all over America will not teach you, I'm talking non-Christian colleges, that they won't teach you, they won't teach you about the Holy Ghost. And it's the Holy Spirit that leads you into all truth about who you are. And so we go try to find ourselves we teach young people today at about 14, 15 years old, man, you've got to have a plan for your life. Man, their brains aren't even halfway developed. How in the world can you come up with a plan on your own and you go to a counselor that all they're concerned about is that they do their job and you find a school to go to by the time you're 16 years old? Come on! Come on! We've got to think better than that. Everybody say, Pastor loves colleges. Okay? Just settle that right now. I love college. But only if you're supposed to go. See? And not where you think you need to go. Because when you were seven years old, your, 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 uh, your father liked the North Carolina Tar Heels. And so you, 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 all of a sudden you like Tar Heels and you just think, well, then I'm going to go to North Carolina. That's where I'm going to go to school. Uh, 
You don't find it that way. You find it from the Holy Ghost. See? And, and a young person can start finding out things from the Holy Ghost. I mean, what? Seven? Eight? Nine? Ten? Wow, wherever. Everybody's going to be a little bit different. But if you teach them about the Holy Ghost when they're young, then the Holy Ghost will begin to reveal things to them, and they won't make stupid decisions by the time they're seven, have it locked in their head, this is what I'm going to do, and then they go do the wrong thing. I'm, I'm just saying that's what he says. I'm not telling you. I, I just learned a long time ago. I just want to do it his way. See? So I want to find out all the things I'm supposed to do and our kids to do so that we don't spend a bunch of time doing a bunch of bad things and wrong things and we got to come and, re- and correct it. we got to go clean all the messes up. No. We weren't created to clean up messes. You have the ability to do what's right and hear what's right every single time. You won't. Thank God for Jesus, for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for what he's empowered us. When I miss it, I have one that stood in for me, and I can go to him, and I can repent, and I can make the changes, and I can do what's right. And I can do it again and again and again and again because he didn't bring condemnation and shame because of mistakes we've made. He came to liberate us and set us free. Can you say amen to that? Um. so here's just two verses that are so powerful and so good for you to keep in your repertoire of scriptures and things that you speak and declare and verse 20 of 1 John 3 1 John 3 and verse 20 for if our or my heart condemns me God is greater than my heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. So, if your heart condemns you, thank God you've got a greater one on the inside of you. And when you get rid of condemnation, or condemning, or shame, or whatever it is, when you're rid of that, then you have confidence toward God that God will do what God said he will do and he has a plan for my life. How many know what Jeremiah 29 and, and what's the verse? 11 says. How many know what 29, 11 says? Huh? What does it say? He has a plan for you, right? And is the plan condemnation? Absolutely not. Plan is good, right? And an expected end. And he's got good intentions, and he's already got the plan. My responsibility is to find the plan. And he already had the plan for everybody before the foundation of the world. And it's my responsibility to find the plan along my way. For you to find the plan along your way. I don't care how old you are today. If you've never spent any time finding the plan of God... What better day than today to start finding God's plan for your life? You know how faithful that God is? Remember, he doesn't condemn. Well, you know, you should have done this 25 years ago, you worthless piece of crud. That's not God. But that's the voice of the enemy. 
See, if you'd have done this, then this would have happened. See, if you would have done this, if you hadn't, you know, if you hadn't got connected to that person, then all these ugly things. Well, and if you hadn't, see, if you hadn't done this, that's the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren because he wants you to be afraid of God, thinking that, well, man, I did what was wrong. Now God's going to be mad at me, and so now nothing good is going to happen in my life. It's a life in the pit of hell. We start today making the changes. Remember, everything is a choice, and you have the ability to make right choices every single day. Can you say amen? Amen. Say this after me. I choose choose God God in every situation. situation. Amen. Listen, just you, you, you will never hurt yourself telling yourself those kind of things. All day long today, and all week long, and all month long, and the rest of the year, you see what happens to you you telling yourself, God loves me. Hmm? You need to hear yourself say that because it will get you out of messes you didn't realize you were in. Amen? <clears throat> so, John 10.10, 10, look at that. <clears throat> you know, Here the Bible says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Abundant life is what Jesus came to give you and I. Amen? But to see the abundant life, we've got to understand the love of God. And you will not love people until you understand how much God loves you. You will not make right choices on a day-to-day basis until you realize how much God loves you. See, because most people's wrong choices, people say, ah, they're just lazy. Nah, you know, I mean, that's an easy out. Maybe a little bit, you know, but most people don't make right choices or follow through with what's right because of the fear of other things. There's all kinds of fears coming from all different directions, bombarding people's minds. It's the reason they don't follow through. Okay? So these next couple of verses that we're going to end with today talk about how to get liberated and free of the fear and the torment that tries to pull us down and keep us from practicing love on people. You, you don't practice loving God. Well, I'm going to really try to love. No, 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 no. no. But your understanding your, your love of God is to love people. The Bible says, how can you say that you love God and you hate your neighbor? It's because there's no light. You don't understand, see? You're, you're not understanding what is going on. You can't say you love God and hate people. See, it doesn't work that way. So what I've got to learn to do is I've got to learn to sow seeds of love into unlovely situations. I'm not talking about loving people that do everything good to you. I'm talking about learning to love people that have done you wrong. And the more I practice love on a day-to-day basis, you may see somebody at work and you don't like them and, you know, you just have an attitude towards them. You know, you've you've developed this attitude because of what they've done. See, what's going to happen is the rest of your life, you're going to respond based on what other people do. I don't want that to be me. I want to be a person that takes the higher road and does what's right and follows through with the right, and, and the way I've developed that in my own life is practicing on difficult people. 
I practice all the time. Love is kind, it's patient, doesn't take into account a wrong suffered, believes the best of people at all times, no matter what. It endures all things, hopes all things, and it believes the best because the love of God never fails in any situation. But it's very backwards to do those kind of things when people have done you wrong. The natural in the flow of our society is to respond back with the same kind of attitude. But here's the thing, and this is what I want you to leave with today and really understand this. You will never, you will never love other people until you learn how much God loves you. But you will never understand how much God loves you until you learn to practice love on unlovely people. That's the totality of my message today. That's what I'm trying to get over to you. I'm going to say it again. You'll never understand how much God loves you until you learn to love unlovely people. But you'll never develop that understanding of how much God loves you until you practice on people. See, to love God is not trying to do good hard enough. To love God is to love the people created in His image no matter who it is. Now listen, you don't, if you think that what I'm saying right here is threatening to your life, you don't know the power and the control that you'll have in a good way over other people until you learn to do what's right every single time and you don't get to say a dang thing about it. The only thing that Jesus got to say about what everybody did to him, the only thing he got to say was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What? They knew exactly what they're doing. Bunch of heathen Jews. They knew exactly what they were doing. Father, forgive them. They don't understand like I understand what it is that they're doing. And when you realize that about people, you'll never look at people on face value ever again. You'll look beyond who they appear to be to their heart. And you know what's in the heart? Somebody that's being ugly and they're threatened and they're in fear and those kind of things, there's a lot of times some form of abuse or hurt or anger or bitterness or unforgiveness. Or it's, it's all lodged in there. And you know what? You're the, you're the, the one is, that is to bridge the gap between where they're at and where they're going. Because God, Jesus is the Savior, but we're the flesh that's going to lead him to the Savior. The kindness of God is what leads a man to repentance. And you'll never, you'll never, yeah, you know, I'll wait and let that guy be kind, you know. No, 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 no. The kindness in you is what leads men to repentance. And the more people, you know, I, one time I, I told a guy, uh, this guy came and he said, you know, Pastor, I just want to know what my ministry is. And so I'll tell you right now, okay, go walk in love with unlovely people. No, no, I mean like my ministry. Go walk in love with unlovely people. No, but like, like my title. Go walk in love with unlovely people. And people be calling you at 3 in the morning. You want people around you? You go love them. And what will happen is they'll follow you everywhere. How, how do you think that Jesus stirred up so much commotion? There were riots everywhere with him. All kinds of things happened with him. People followed him everywhere. He had to stand on... <clears throat> I, I've been in Israel... Where, uh, where his Sermon on the Mount was, and, you know, 
from, from up on top of the, uh, of the, well, it's not really a mountain, but a hill where he was looking down. I mean, th- there was somewhere between five and 10,000 people that had followed him to this place. And, and the Sea of Galilee is right here, and he's up here speaking down to these people. And I'm thinking, you know, some people can't hear through the microphones we have. How in the world did they hear five or 10,000 people on the side of this hill? How'd they hear him? I don't know. But he had something that they wanted. And when you walk in love, remember, all he did was love. That's all he did. And when that's all you do, people will follow you everywhere. You want a ministry? It'll, it'll start out of love. <clears throat> you, you want to find out what you were created to do? It comes out of love. It evolves out of the love of God and understanding how awesome that love is. Can you say amen? <clears throat> I think I already told you this, but last two verses. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. So, it's not enough for you and I to say we believe in God. That's not enough. Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that, what? He is. Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I believe in God. But then you have to believe that God is. You have to believe that He's love. You have to believe that He's healing. You have to believe that He's deliverance. You have to believe that He's everything that the Bible says that He is. And, right here, that He is the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Now watch this. So I said earlier... The key to this whole thing is relationship with God. You have to have a right relationship. Now, now watch like uh, these next three verses. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Right? So, I believe that God is. I believe that if I draw near to God, that What? I've got to believe that he is the rewarder, that he'll do what he said. The scripture says, knock, and what? And the door will be open. See, not just that God is, not just that he is the door, and I can knock, but that the door will open. See, that's where relationship gets connected. I mean, Verse after verse, scripture after scripture reveals to us that it's not enough just to believe that God is, but I've got to believe He's the rewarder of what He said He would do. I've got to believe He loves me so much that He would never lie to me. He would not put this in the pages of, of the bestseller of all times, bar none, head and shoulders above every other book that was ever penned, because... In the pages of this book, it has the potential to be the living Word of God. The printed page is just like a dictionary. But when I get in it and I let the Holy Spirit reveal it to me, the contents of this book right here become the living Word of God. And you know what? God, I believe you are. But I believe when I draw near to you, things get more intimate, I understand you more, and I'm empowered to walk in kindness with unkind people, to be patient with impatient people, 
to, to, to endure through difficult situations when people are being difficult because of difficult things in their own lives. And what he empowers you to do is see beyond the person and what the real problem is in the heart. You know what that, you know what that means? See, we're joint heirs with Jesus. Everybody say, he's the, he's the Savior. But you know what he's called us to do? He's called us to follow through with that salvation and implement it into people's lives. He didn't call you to save people. He called you to be the one that bridges the gap from where people are in their life today to where they're going. You're the bridge. Well, I thought Jesus was the bridge. He is. But it's Christ in you that's the hope of mankind. See, when, when that revelation gets deep on the inside of me, and then I'm implementing that, then people go, did you see what that guy just did? Did you see the way that guy just forgave that person? Did you see the way he didn't respond? You know what? Ugly people that you, that you say are ugly or other people say are ugly, most of the reason that they're ugly is because of their response. But do you know, in, in so many cases that I've found, of all the difficult people that I've gone after, what i found is everybody responded like they knew they would, like the person knew they would. See, so here's the ugly person, okay? And Fabian comes and connects with the ugly person, and the ugly person does what? Ugly. And then Fabian comes back and does ugly back, and all they do, it, it just reaffirms to them that whatever's wrong on the inside, that's still there. Why? Because they've never seen anybody that didn't react, that allowed kindness to flow. That's what I found in a, in a, in a lot of cases with people that are that way. We've been called to be the bridge that gaps those people from where they're at to where God created before the foundation of the world for them to go. I tell you what, folks, we have a full plate. Hmm? We're talking saved and unsaved people because there's a lot of saved people they're not renewed. They don't know how to walk in the love of God. They don't know how to pursue God. And they sure don't know how much God loves them. Save people. The unsaved people are in a whole totally different boat. But we're all connected to the same God. All of us are. No matter what people think they believe today, everybody was created to be born again. He doesn't desire that one perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everybody. Amen? So you can love everybody. If they're Muslim, you can still love them. How would a Muslim, how would a Muslim go from where they are thinking today to realizing that Jesus Christ is the only God? How would a Muslim do that? Only the love of God. And only the love of God in you. I got friends that won't, that just, just I have Christian friends have nothing to do with Muslim people. I mean, if a Muslim comes around, they, they go after him and hammer him and, you know, and attack him and all those kind of things. I'm thinking, no, no, wait, that guy was created in the image of God even though he doesn't understand it and he doesn't believe that. How is he going to know how to make the change? How is he going to be able to go from where he's at to where God created before the foundation of the world for him to be? Me. I'm it. You're it. Humanity is it. Christ in us, revealed in us, is the hope of mankind. Some people think Christ is the hope of mankind. He is, 
But he's got to be in us because he left his name and his authority and everything that he has done, he's left to live inside of us so that we could accomplish it. Amen? Last verse. Psalm 27 and verse 13. What a great verse. David says, I would have lost heart. The King James, no, the uh, New American Standard says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The land of the living is where you and I live today. And you know what? Listen to me. Some of you even today are feeling somewhat despaired. Some of you today are feeling hopeless. Because you know what? Everybody that lives, everybody in the land of the living who is alive today, gets attacked with fear, with depression, oppression, with all kinds of emotion that comes against us. And if you are not practicing the love of God on love, unlovely people, if you are not practicing the love of God, you'll be in despair. He said, I would have lost heart or despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What is the goodness of the Lord? It's his forgiveness, his compassion. The fact that he, being free of shame and, and, and bitterness and all the different things. Listen, remember this verse of scripture today. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But faith works by love. The only way that faith works is if you, by faith, are loving, unlovely people. What I just shared with you today, I believe, is the foundational message that from here, everything else in your life will begin to flourish. Everything, if you choose to do this. The Bible says if you hear a word like this and you do nothing with it, you'll walk in deception. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But if you hear a word like this and you develop it and you practice it, listen, don't, don't go practice on the hardest case. Just practice on somebody that just irritates you. And I mean practice. I'm, I'm talking about practicing. How, how many, you can, and, and I want to see how many hands, honest hands will be lifted. How many can say, based on this message today, you can think of somebody you need to go practice love on. As I was preaching, I thought of somebody. I'm, I'm, because I'm always thinking of who I can practice on. It's practice. What does practice make? Mature, perfect, mature, developed. That's what practice makes. And that's what we're called to do. Amen? Gosh, I, I, my prayer is today that you receive this word that you let it go deep, deep, deep in your heart and that you walk it out and practice it every single day of your life. Say it again with me. God loves me. Say it like this. Love loves me. I'm loved by love. (laughs) I'm loved by God. And in fact, 
God loves me the same way he loves Jesus. All of his perfections and everything that he did, he loves me the same way, like I did everything perfect because he doesn't see my sins. He sees through the blood of Jesus and I'm forgiven. Now I can be empowered to do what's right every day. Can you say amen?